we're really good at our practice, that craft that we've developed over years. And that comes naturally and we want to serve. But in order to build that better business and more balanced life, there are other ingredients, things that don't naturally come to us. How do you productize what you do so you stop trading time for money? How do you build a differentiated brand so you're attracting your ideal client? How do you value-based price? How do you stop trading time for money? How do you earn what you're really worth? Hello and welcome. I'm Kate, and this is the Freelance Founders Podcast, where we talk to creatives who have designed their own careers. We're so grateful to be able to interview these bright minds and share their incredible journeys with you. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Freelance Founders Podcast. Today, I am speaking with the founder of Indie Collective, Sam Lee. Welcome, Sam, and thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you for having me, Kate. It's great to be here. We've had lots of conversations, but I'm really excited to be focusing in more on you and Indie Collective and hearing about your journey. So we start off every episode with this one question. And the first question I'm going to ask you is, what was your very first freelance rate? Well, it's great to be here, like I said, and I'm glad to tell all about both my experience as an independent and also how we're supporting people through Indie Collective. So when I went full-time independent, truth be told, I had been doing the side hustle for years. And when I had been doing the side hustle, helping early stage startups with their product development and commercial strategy, I'd always done it in the form of equity, right? I'd taken equity in those companies in exchange for my time and expertise. So when I went full-time and started taking cash for what I was doing, I kind of went high. Honestly, I said $500 an hour and $2,500 for the day. And I found that people weren't pushing back. And that's when I realized that I was actually pricing myself too low. And we can talk about value-based pricing, how you know your worth, so you can confidently charge that. But when you think about pricing, actually, I don't ever recommend people do hourly work. I think you need to figure out the right project-based or retained engagements and value-based price those. I completely agree with you on hourly work. Hourly just doesn't work for some of us. Like for for some I get for like design and for copywriting and that, I, I can understand it. But when you're working on scopes that take you through the course of six months, it's really hard to measure that hourly rate, right? So I completely agree with you, but I'm so impressed with your first rate. That's amazing. So could you take us through your career path a bit and like where you started when you decided to go freelance? So I bet like most of your listeners, I'm something of a multi-hyphenate, right? Or put differently, I've had a non-linear career path. So I started my career in international development. I had studied public policy and wanted to serve and very quickly got bored. Honestly, I was working at a big multinational organization, the World Bank, and found it to be super bureaucratic. So that that didn't last long. And I shifted gears and I went into the private sector and, and spent a few years at Goldman Sachs learned a bunch. I was chief of staff in their executive office. So working on strategic projects from business development, to public private partnerships and, and PR. And after kind of cutting my teeth there, realized that where I fit in the private sector was actually in, in building teams and building business. And that's where I started to get really excited about product development and commercial strategy. That took me into my next chapter. I went into the internet industry. I worked at two amazing turnarounds 
a company that you probably heard of in the early days, AOL, right? AIM and Instant Messenger, all that stuff. So I worked with, with AOL in its later days as it was trying to turn the ship around, worked at another turnaround. When I was in the internet industry, I really had the opportunity to very quickly grow. I went from being an individual contributor at Goldman Sachs to two years into internet, leading a team of almost 500 people and a multi-hundred million dollar P&L. So that was a very quick learning curve, an opportunity to launch products, to lead teams. And I was fortunate to meet an amazing mentor, this guy Francis Lobo. And I hope everybody on this line has got a mentor that they that they can count on like Francis. But when he ultimately left that second internet company, he was the CEO and went into startups, he took me for the ride. And that's when I joined WeWork. So that was my most recent chapter before going independent. I spent four years at WeWork. I'm sure you've all heard about WeWork at this point, whether it's through one of the books or movies. It was as wild a ride as described, but an amazing mission with amazing humans and I think great impact in the world. There, I had the chance to help build a 1,500-person team, grow the company from about $200 million to $4.5 billion in revenue as their head of growth, and then it didn't work. Right. We work didn't work. So that was a huge, huge disappointment. And as I was winding down those teams and stepping back from the company myself, I could have jumped right into the next full time thing. And there was plenty of those opportunities present. But that's not what I wanted to do. Quite frankly, I needed to take a deep breath. And where I turned immediately was to independent work because I had been side hustling, as I said, for years. I'd been working with amazing startups particularly E3 startups, those helping to grow energy, empowerment, and employment, right? Health and wellness, community, and the future of work. So I figured, let me let me take this side hustle and bring it into the focus for my full time, at least for a year. This way I could try before I buy and get to work with a lot of cool startups and figure out who's the right next one to commit to for the long haul. And it was in that first year, really in the first six months of going full-time independent, in starting to charge hourly and then shifting out of that quickly into project and retain rates and and it started working in team-based formats, helping companies to launch products and sell their products that I found that I not only was making more than I did as a full-time executive, but I was doing it in half the time. And it was by working smarter, not harder. And it was in finding that possibility for myself and then as just an Uber networker, connecting with tens, then hundreds. Now, two plus years later, more than a thousand top independents, I found that so many of us are asking the same questions. We're really good at our practice, that craft that we've developed over years. And that comes naturally and we want to serve. But in order to build that better business and more balanced life, there are other ingredients, things that don't naturally come to us. How do you productize what you do so you stop trading time for money? How do you build a differentiated brand so you're attracting your ideal client? How do you value-based price? How do you stop trading time for money? How do you earn what you're really worth? And so many other questions. But, but those were just again and again and again. And as I was getting the great mentorship from seven and eight-figure business builders, folks in my network who were helping me get further faster, it just became so obvious that... We shouldn't be asking these questions out in the universe and, and not getting the proper responses from Google. We should have the playbooks and the mentors and the community to help us build better business and life together. So that 
that led me to launch Indie Collective, which which I know you know well too. Yes. And I would love to, if you don't mind sharing just a little bit more about Indie Collective. I've just finished my first cohort with you and it was an incredible experience, but I would love for you to just explain a little bit what Indie Collective is and share more about that. Well, I like to think of Indie Collective as the modern MBA for modern independent workers. People like you and I who've worked at agencies with startups, you know, been in full-time roles and are now taking our craft to the world directly. What I found in, in speaking to more than a thousand amazing people like you is that we're asking the same questions. And if we were armed with the right actionable playbooks, supported by mentors who've already built bigger businesses effectively and doing it in a community format, right, with cross-functional interdisciplinary peers that can help us to do the work, that we're actually not just more successful, but we're fulfilled. So Indie Collective was born to really meet that call. And in a 10-week format, so I like to think of us not just as an MBA, but kind of a modern executive MBA, in a compressed format, you get in 10 weeks the right dose of education, the right support from mentors, and a built-in peer group, 150 really distinguished people. And Kate, in your cohort, we had people from, I think it was 40 cities, 20 states, and eight countries. People, 70% of whom are doing business with each other and actually collaborating on those projects. So, so you get those three things in the 10 weeks and the right combination of those things I found helps people get into what I call a massive action flywheel. They just start doing the right things. And when you do enough of the right things, you get great outcomes our average member is now seeing usually a four to five X return on her investment in 10 weeks, which is kind of, I think, a sweet spot for getting people further faster. I agree. I mean, it was such an interesting experience. I've never experienced something such as Indie Collective after I got my four-year college degree in economics and then went to fashion school to kind of get my foot in the door into that industry but then after that, I, I took some online courses in like negotiation during COVID and at, from like U of M or Coursera or different websites where you could take free classes. But doing this was so incredible because not only is the curriculum awesome, but you're also just amongst so many inspiring people similar to like freelance founders. You know, when I joined that community, I was so blown away by how incredible, like we're all kind of going through the same thing. And I feel like with Indie Collective, even if you're in different industries or even if you're in different phases of your business, if you're just starting out, if you're trying to sell a product or launch a product, it was so interesting to meet different people from different backgrounds. So joining Indie Collective, it's really opened me up to being so curious on what other people are working on and having those conversations and networking outside of your normal day-to-day. You especially have met so many freelancers and founders through Indie Collective. What are some of the common struggles that you see from more people challenged with? There's a few, and we try to tackle some of these, what I call points of leverage, areas of your business and life that when you really, when you optimize them, they lead to an outsized return on your effort, right? So I'd say a couple of areas that I see time and time again are first around productization. That's a heady word. So what is, what do I mean by productization? So absent productization, you find yourself in this constant bespoke hamster wheel where you're trading time for money and it's neither as fulfilling or as successful as most aspire to be. 
So that's one of the areas that we, that we deeply tackle in Indie Collective. We help people to niche down, to identify that ideal client, that client they really want to serve in the world. We help them identify their engagement format, the format of doing their work that delivers more impact and income for every hour they spend. And then with clarity of client and with clarity of engagement format, we help you to think through your productization playbook. Not a one-size-fits-all, but what makes sense for you so that you are achieving your income and impact goals and taking the repeatable things, the things you shouldn't be doing again and again and again, out of the mix through better process, through better playbooks, through better processes and other people, right? Because so many of our members collaborate and deliver their work together. So absent productization, I think a lot of us stall out, right? So many of the independents that I get to work with, about a quarter of them are starting out, right? They're just getting going. But the vast majority are two, three, some even 10 years into doing their independent work. They're at that point where they're like, gosh, I know there's more for me. I know I could be doing the same money in half the time, right? That's what I found. And that's what I aspire to do through the direct consulting. Others realize I could double my money and and doing the same level of effort. Another is pricing. I like to say nobody dumb prices, right? There's no such thing. But most of us don't value-based price, right? Value-based pricing is such a simple, simple concept that eludes most of us. Value-based pricing starts with really knowing your worth. And how do you know your worth? Well, you have to quantitatively and also qualitatively be able to articulate the impact that you're having on your clients. And that feels like a heady thing, especially for creatives, right? Half of our members are creatives and we help them through frameworks to even in their situations, even quantitatively understand their impact. Because when you can articulate that and communicate it to your clients, guess what? You're able to command a premium rate because you're not delivering an average outcome. An above average outcome deserves an above average, a premium rate. And when you can really articulate that and then pitch against that, you're able to consistently close. We find our members raising our rates typically 25 to 50%, right? That alone can change the trajectory of your business without an additional hour of work. So those are two areas, but there's so many more. I completely agree because I know from personal experience, when I first joined Indie Collective last cohort, those were two of the top things that I was struggling with. I was working. I loved all my clients. I loved what I was doing, but I wasn't valuing myself or my time when I'm projecting for this coming year. It's a hundred percent increase of my annual salary that I was making last year that I'm doing this year. And also from the productization side of things was like finding your ideal client. And, you know, I feel like a lot of us freelancers, when you're first starting out, it's really hard for you to, for, it was for me, I can't speak for everybody, to say no and be like, no, this isn't a good fit for me and moving on. It was one of those things where it, maybe it wasn't benefiting my future career or my skill set or challenging me in the way that I needed to be challenged. And I was just taking it because it was money. And I wasn't really looking at, is this a good fit? in terms of values, in terms of the type of company it is. I talk to a lot of my other freelance communities and some people are like, I'm so burnt out. And I'm like, I think you have to fire some clients. (laughs) It's okay to let them go. And, you know, that was such a big help because, I mean, coming towards the end of the cohort last year, 
I had a lot of people approach me, which was great, but they were like short-term assignments. In 2022, it's like one of my big goals to continue that path. It's really evaluating your time and charging more, which I'm doing, and it's natural to give yourself a raise. If you were delivering your work in corporate world, you would be getting a raise at the end of the year or getting some sort of bonus. So why not give that to yourself and carry that through into the year? And then each year you're giving yourself that bonus. You're giving yourself that raise to really take you to the next level. And also each year you're gaining more and more experience. You're, you're strengthening your skill set. You're learning more or you're, you're able to bring on a new skill set that you've never been able to offer before. So if you're offering more than what you did a year ago, why wouldn't you charge more? I like to think that there's just two words that you need to know the definition for, for yourself in the English language. It's yes and it's no. And it's an enthusiastic yes and it's an equally enthusiastic no. During the cohorts, we, we do this weekly celebration. It's not uncommon that you'll see that something people are celebrating is no. It's like I now know who I shouldn't be working with or the terms of an engagement that don't serve me or my client as well as other terms, right? Other modalities or formats of working. Because when you know that, you're able to enthusiastically say yes, enthusiastically say no, and guide your business and life in a direction that will serve you, right? To grow your income, to grow your impact. And another thing that I really loved that we did in the beginning you introduced us to the three L's of goal setting. I would love for you to share with our listeners what the three L's are. And if you want to, you can share yours. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I did it. carry that into the new year. Oh, I love that. That makes me so happy, Kate. Thank you for sharing that. So, yeah, when I was rounding out my WeWork experience, and honestly, it was pretty traumatic at the end, right? You can watch the movies and read the books. And, and until you've lived through, the high highs of taking something so far and then see it crash and burn at your feet and at the feet of so many great people you've hired, you can't know what it feels like. But as I was rounding out that experience, I did the same year-end retreat that I've done now 10 consecutive years. And in that week-long retreat, I put pen to paper. It was very clear. The clarity was that I wanted to take a year and I wanted to use independent consulting as that vehicle to build a life, not a living. And that meant really balancing three L's, right? My living, how I wanted to make money and, and serve clients, but also my lifestyle and loving, how I wanted to show up in the world and prioritize the people that matter to me personally and professionally. So I put pen to paper and that's where I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to invest my energy in E3 Ventures and this, this vehicle, both through the clients I serve, the time it's going to free up. I wanted to work half as much, but earn at least as much, if not more. And then the, the spaciousness it was going to create to have a really full life. That was, that was kind of my ambition in 2020. And I'll share it. I show kind of the chicken scratch and the work that was actually in that workbook within six months of putting pen to paper on those three L's. And, and I gave you the high level, but there was, you know, very specific numbers and words and, and feelings, within six months, I had actually achieved all of those goals, the revenue goals, the impact goals, and, and the spaciousness, right? I was making more than I did as a full-time executive in half the time. So I'm a big believer 
in taking time at least every year, but I actually revisit my goals every quarter, right? To, to actually check in, not with an eye to being anxious, right? I'm a big believer in surrender. Put something on paper because where you focus expands, right? There's this fun fact. I also share this with our members and keep this. If you, if you take nothing else away from the, from this episode, I'd say keep this in focus. Where you focus expands in your life. And that's actually science, right? So every single second of every single day, we're bombarded by a million bits of information, right? Through the five senses, through sight, through taste, through smell, etc. So a million bits of information hit us. And yet our conscious mind can only process 120 of those million bits. So a teeny tiny fraction are the things that we can actually consume and understand and put to use. So where you focus expands in your life. That means that when you set intentions, and especially if you put your three L's, your living lifestyle, loving goals on paper, that's going to focus your conscious mind. And as you're moving through the world, through your sight, through your taste, through your smell, through your touch, you're actually going to observe those things much more frequently. And what you can observe, you can act upon, and what you can act upon, you can manifest, right? So some, some people think of it as manifestation. I like to, I actually believe in it, but I also believe in the science behind manifestation, which is where you focus expands literally in your mind. I remember when I first had to do it because, you know, I've had goals and we've always get the question of what's your goal this year or what's your New Year's resolution this year? And where do you see yourself in five years? It's great to have those. And, you know, it's great to have that end goal. But when I was going through the exercise of the three L's, I remember having a call with you and I was like, am I doing this right? <laughs> Can I have this be a goal? And you're like, yes. I mean, it was the same. I had just like pages in my notebook of just like anything I could think of that was like coming to mind. And then obviously I was like narrowing it down. But I was telling my friends on New Year's Eve about it. They're like, okay, well, what do you write down? I was like, well, it's technically your goals, but in all kind of aspects and how it all feeds into one another. But it's so interesting to me because it's really helped me. I, you know, I set those goals and I did see such a change over the course of the few months. And then I redid it again in this quarter and I'm, I'm going to try to do it quarterly. Also, I, I love short-term goals. I love having something that's like manageable, having those big goals, but then having those smaller goals that set you up for success to reach those big goals. Now I want to kind of get into the future of work, you know, you're obviously tapped into it. What are some of your predictions and trends that you, you think is going to come out of for the future of work? Well, I think everyone on the line has probably heard of the great resignation at this point. While freelance founders and indie collective were born prior to the great resignation because there was already such a movement toward independence, we've seen that that movement only accelerate against the backdrop of COVID. At WeWork, we always like to say that culture wasn't office, right? But office could support culture. But too many companies, unfortunately, have become reliant on things like office space, on parties, on, on, you know, happy hours. They had become reliant on those things and their culture was really culture confetti. So when COVID happened and people were thrown into home offices and, and unusual working situations where they didn't have the culture confetti, many of them became pretty disenchanted pretty quickly. And when left with nothing but eight, nine, 12 hour days of that work 
that they actually never really liked, they realized that it wasn't terribly fulfilling. So I think that lack of fulfillment and absence of quote unquote culture confetti are major contributors to this great resignation, as is flexibility. So if you read the studies on the great resignation, the number one thing that so many humans want now, having experienced work from home, is greater flexibility. And it's actually not just working parents or it's it's pretty far and wide. So I'd say people want fulfillment, they want flexibility, and they want to be able to do their craft on their own terms. So those are contributors to this great resignation and to this rise of independence. And and more than a third of U.S. workers, and and that trend is pretty global, are doing full-time independent work, which is bananas. Right? That's not something that most people know, especially if they're not already independent. So I'm excited to see that number rise and also to find ways through great communities like ours to just support people in doing that work more effectively and in more fulfilling ways. And I think my biggest takeaway, I had worked at great companies and have been a part of great teams. My biggest takeaway is that independence can be super lonely. And it's also not as effective or fulfilling when you're in isolation because we're humans. We desire connection and we also do better work when we have our compliments flanking us. So I think independence shouldn't come at the cost of community. And I think the future of work is independent, but is in collaborative independent formats. So we can do what we love on our terms and find the right peers alongside whom we can deliver amazing work for amazing clients. I agree. I think you really hit the nail on the head when you were, when you say independent workers tend to get really lonely and I've been doing this almost five years and working from homes and I'm part of a co-working space and I don't really talk to anybody, but like there's something about being around other people. And I've had two full-time jobs. I spent five years in one and three in another and then decided to go full-time freelance. And I liked the environment, you know, I liked the office culture, the office confetti, you know, but at the same time, it wasn't fulfilling. I was always freelancing on the side, but I was never, I, my full time, I wasn't being fulfilled because it wasn't re- what I was really loving. But I do find that I love working from home. I'm very focused. I'm very like engaged. I'm on calls a lot. So I feel like I get a lot of stimulation and interaction with people in that way. But I do find, I mean, during the pandemic, I had to work from home. I couldn't go into my co working space. And that's why when I joined Freelance Founders, I was like, oh my gosh, there's these digital communities where I can like engage with people and they don't have to be next to me. This is incredible. And I gravitated and held on to that. And I like, that's what got me through 2020, to be honest with you. There was something about joining a community that was freelance, doing what you're doing, having their own businesses and going through the hardship that you may have been going through or you wanted to celebrate their wins if they managed to get a new client in the middle of a pandemic. Why not celebrate? That's incredible. And it gave me hope and it gave me something to aspire to because I really respect everybody in the community and I I learned so much from them. I think you're keying into it perfectly, but life is 80% psychology. What you believe, you ultimately become. If our beliefs are limiting us, it really helps to be surrounded by a group of like-minded, mission-driven people who are opening up 
right? And that doesn't mean just pounding their chests and saying how great, but like talking about the good, the bad, the ugly, and celebrating the wins. And for that reason, I view communities like Freelance Founders and Indie Collective as almost a psychology boot camp. Because as you're meeting with people one-on-one, as you're in group chats, or we have an A-team, a personal advisory board that we do, in those formats, you realize very quickly that the hang-ups or the limiting beliefs and also the things that you're celebrating, they're not unique to you. And it's in that when we feel unique, especially in the negative things, that's when we get into these psychological spirals that don't serve us in achieving the success and fulfillment that's possible. So the power of community is actually, I think, such an important ingredient for the future of work. That's what the culture confetti frequently allowed. Great offices that allowed for flow and connection, meetings in person where you could have a coffee break afterward. It just fomented the community that we actually crave. So figuring out how to do that for human beings in the future of work, which is increasingly independent, is is just such an imperative right now. Now that we're talking about communities and everything, I have always been a big networker. I've always connected people. When I went freelance, I reached out to everybody in my database or my address book and reached out and wanted to grab a coffee, wanted to have a drink, grab lunch, grab dinner with them, and just talk to them and and see how we could collaborate or work together or just let them know, like, I'm freelancing if you know anybody who is looking for somebody to help them with production and project management. And I think most of our freelancers would agree that's how they really have started. And, you know, that's the heart of the freelance founders community is through networking. How would you go about networking authentically? Like if somebody was new to this space and they're like, where do I start? What do I do? What would you suggest for them when it comes to networking? So I'll share two ideas here, and they're both ones that we anchor in at some point during the 10-week experience of Indie Collective. So first, when we embark on a 10-week experience and we're all getting to know our 150 peers, we start with sharing our gives and our asks. What are those superpowers that you can share? And what are those areas, perhaps around those three L's, right, those big goals of yours, where are the areas where you could use support? Perhaps they're not your strengths or areas where you're trying to develop more strength. So being clear on your gives and asks is powerful. And you want to keep those in mind as you are in those networking conversations. Because when somebody asks you, how can I be helpful? And guess what? That probably happens nine times out of 10 in a networking conversation. You want to have something that is authentic and that's actually going to serve you and those else, right? Those ambitious goals that you've got. Because if you're asking for hollow things or you don't have something to say, you're really not making the most of that conversation. I know when I'm in a networking conversation and I ask that question, I authentically want to help, right? It makes me feel good if there's an ask that I can deliver on, especially if it doesn't require a huge amount of my effort. So knowing your asks and making them reasonable, not like monumental things, and also knowing your gifts, When people come into the conversation, they ask for something, knowing a couple of clear ways that you can help that are not huge lifts, but that that you can offer. So that's one thing. Know your gives and asks before you have all these networking conversations. The second is more of actually a formal playbook. And I'll tell you, it, it just changed the face of my independent consulting. And it's the thing that allowed me in six months of going independent to make as much as I did in full time world in half the time. So it's this playbook that we call Relationship Building at Scale, and it's it's taught to our members 
by one of our alumni, Ashley Quinto Powell. So relationship building at scale is simple, right? Ashley likes to say that the people that are distinctive at what they do, that have walked interesting paths personally, professionally, in education, those people shouldn't have a handful of referral partners. Those people should have an army, right, of champions, an army of referral partners, what Ashley calls your list of 200. But most of us aren't there, right? Most of us have a handful. So she says, in order to get to that army of champions, you need to do three things. And we teach teach members how to do this over the course of a week. First, you need to get really clear on your sales storytelling. And that's different than your brand storytelling. That's different than other forms of storytelling. It's just very simple. It's who are you? What's your impact? And who is that ideal client, right? You want to get very clear on those three things. And we help you to pressure test that with, with peers, et cetera. With clarity of those three things, we then help you build a list of 200, right? And the important thing to keep in focus is that your list of 200 is not a sales list. You're not trying to sell to these people. You're trying to recalibrate them to that storytelling, to those three important things so that when they're walking in the world as nodes of influence in your network, they have you in focus and they know that ideal client are sending you the right opportunities. And then third, with clarity of storytelling and a clear list, we're going to help you to keep in touch at scale. And if you follow Ashley Quinto Powell on Instagram or actually better yet on LinkedIn, where she's super present, you're going to see her constantly sharing. And it just, it's like Ashley to a T, right? You just feel Ashley in every share and she gets an overwhelming response and people share it right? Because it just feels like her and it's aligned with with everything that she is. So we help people identify a couple of at scale authentic ways to stay in touch that once you've recalibrated this list to who you are, what you offer and the impact that you have, will will have that list turn into the gravitational pull of business to you on the right terms with the right clients. So I'd say know your gives and asks and then relationship build at scale and do it authentically. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. So to wrap this up, I have three more questions and they're questions I ask every guest. The first is measuring success can be very hard and it's also very personal on how people measure success. What does success mean to you and how do you measure it? That's probably the most important question. Feeling good every day is the end game. And, and if we set such lofty goals for ourselves, or only allow ourselves to feel good when we've finally accomplished that big audacious goal, we're actually setting ourselves up for failure. So how do you measure success? I would say knowing what, what it is that you want to feel. For me, it's peace, it's love, and it's joy. And I actually start my day with that mantra around peace, love, and joy. And and I try to make sure that as I'm entering meetings, as I'm rounding the day, like I'm feeling those things. And if I'm feeling those things, I'm showing up authentically. And, you know, I think, again, the business results flow. They follow you doing the right work and showing up in the right ways. So for me, it's it's as much as checking the box and hopefully getting to the goals as it is feeling what it is that I want to feel, which is peace, love, and joy. Because that's, I think, the foundation for true abundance and a feeling of abundance. Oh, that's so nice. That's so lovely. I actually agree with you, though, on the peace, love, and joy. Like, I'm starting to get a little bit more in tune how I feel after each day. And I mean, there are days where I'm like, I'm exhausted because I was on calls for like eight hours. But how did I feel? That's a more of like a 
mental feel, not, but the emotional is every day I'm noticing, like I am always texting my friends, like today's going to be a great day. You're going to have a great day. Like, and I spread it. I think it's so important to spread that as well. So I, I really, I really love that. But that actually takes me into my next question. You mentioned you have your morning mantra. I have a a mantra or tagline, but I would call it more of a mantra. And I share it with a lot of people that enter into the freelance world. And mine is never let your highs be too high, but never let your lows be too low. You said you have your mantra. Do you mind sharing what exactly that is? Yeah. So this is, this is something, and I've revised it each of the 10 years I've done this year in retreat. So the, the one that I walked away from when I exited last year's retreat was I am peace. I am love and I am joy because from this spiritually abundant state, I can be the being I was born to be and let it flow. Again, that's where I had this aha at the end of last year. It's like the goals are great. But if you're not feeling what you want to feel as you're doing the work and as you're achieving those things, what the heck is it all about? Um, and that flow piece is, is about acknowledging that while we can set great goals, you actually want to be present for the other opportunities that are showing up. You know, the work that we get to do together, you and I, Kate, and also, you know, Indie Collective and Freelance Founders is like a gift that I wouldn't have ever expected. Another, you know, one of our shared members, Kinsey Wolf, loved both experiences. It was like, you guys have to collab. So just showing up when the, when the universe presents those opportunities is so much a, a key to success and fulfillment too. Thank you for sharing that. I actually love this year-end retreat. I'm going to have to ask you about this after this episode. Okay. And to finish it out, what is your ballpark range current day? I don't really offer a day rate anymore. The thing that I do do with clients, because I'm only taking on a handful of clients as I continue to scale Indie Collective, is to do an evaluative stage. And it's it's a six-week engagement, and I charge $50,000 for it. And it's not full-time, right? I have frameworks. I have artifacts on the out, outside of it. They have a strategic plan. And then I'm either retained on a longer-term basis as the strategist or I'm retained and I bring in an amazing A team, a cross-functional team to augment theirs and help them execute. But that's kind of how I really get to know clients because you can't really, for me, accomplish anything in a day or even a week. And if I'm not given the full six to really dig into the data, meet the teams and help them think about the competitive landscape, I can't really deliver the impact that I want. I do love that. I like the idea of having that audit moment Thank you so much for sharing. Sam, thank you for being on the podcast. It has been amazing speaking to you as always. And I'm so excited to see more from Indie Collective and from you. Thank you, Kate. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my chat with Sam Lee. You can find out more about Sam and Indie Collective by visiting IndieCollective.co or connect with Sam on LinkedIn. To learn more about Freelance Founders, head over to our website, freelancefounders.com, and follow us on Instagram at Freelance Founders. We hope you'll share, subscribe, rate, and review the Freelance Founders podcast, which is available for free on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you and have such a great day.